Welcome back to Operator Syndrome. I'm Patrick here with Steve, and uh, we're talking about ranger training, ranger selection. Uh, we left off. I was in RIP. I don't know what week in RIP. It's all a blur now. But uh, Steve had Steve had a question he wanted to lead off with. Yeah, this is uh, one of the fascinating things to me. Uh, you know, I, I hope it's even remotely uh, interesting to others listening. But um, the cultural differences, and I, I have to say, uh, I, 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 I mentioned this to Patrick at some point. I have no idea if it's on any recording. Um, that I honestly think I might have done better. I, I might have had a better military track. And, and when I say that, I had a great one as a SEAL. I mean, I, I don't have any, you know, it was a great, uh, it, it was fulfilling for me. But <clears throat> I almost think I would have done better in an army track uh, of some special operator mode because I'm, I'm super organized as a person. I don't, I don't like clutter. I, I, I like to be like, everything's in its place and <laughs> seals are like the most slapdash bunch when it comes to that i mean it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with getting a job done i mean it could uh, potentially but it, it mostly it's just we're just like a, a, a like herding cats like we're just a bunch of free thinking wild guys out there uh, so I had this one story and I wanted to, cause Patrick's talking about the rip process and, and what it would, it, and, and further uh, Ranger school and all that. We had, a, we had a thing in second phase, which for, for my time was land warfare, where we went to this place called Camp Elliot. And it was, it was, it was only like three nights out in the field. I mean, we were learning patrol. We were doing a lot of patrolling, fire and movement stuff like that and it, it was a navy base uh, i think connected with uh with miramar naval air station now miramar for those of the 80s generation that's top gun school that's where tom cruise went with his cool crotch rocket and uh, flew planes since then they've moved it it's 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 a marine air station now i don't even know where top gun school is anymore but anyway back then that's that's where it was and um Usually in San Diego, and this was, this was probably, it must have been, oh, I know, I know when it was. It was December, because we went on Christmas leave right when this was over. <clears throat> we were allowed to go, you know, home and whatever. So we all knew we were going to have to hump a long way. I don't remember how long it was, but it's one of those. So as SEALs, and see, this is where I'm going to throw it to Patrick, because I, I bet you Rangers... <laughs> I, I almost know it. Uh, probably nobody in the entire army would do this. We're trying to look for ways to cut corners, right? Because that's what we do. Uh, so we're thinking, how do I lighten my load? And I was carrying the radio. It was this big old Vietnam era. We called it the Prick 77, PRC 77. I mean, it weighed about as much as a, a computer printer. I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, that was part of it. So I was the radio man. So I was, uh, you know... I had to carry this this honking radio so it's like oh hey how do we lighten our loads guys let's let's compile gear let's spread gear out the 60 gunner so we would all carry a belt of uh, 100 rounds of, of 60 ammo which is 762 <clears throat> to lighten his load so somebody came up with a brilliant idea hey let's we got to have watch all night because we're going to be in a you know we're, we're, we're traveling in a in a squad level basically crew level eight eight of us six of us or eight of us i can't 
And so they said, all right, so, so let's say there was eight of us, I think something like that. So four have got to be on watch all night. And then the other four get to sleep and we, you know, we shift. So let's just bring four sleeping bags instead of eight. And we're thinking, okay, yeah, that lightens the load a little. So I didn't have to carry a sleeping bag because I was a radio man. Okay, so we get to Camp Elliott. We get there, and it was record cold. It it was below freezing that night. I mean, record cold for San Diego. I mean, and it can get it can get that way, but <clears throat> it was a freak of nature. Because I talked Mike Bailey, my buddy who was in a platoon, was one of the instructors on this evolution, and he said man, we couldn't believe it. We were instructors and we were going in like campers and going, holy crap, those guys got to be freezing out there. It was literally freezing. I mean, the next morning to make us get wet, we had to break ice in the puddles and roll in it to, to get wet and sandy because that's all part of it. So in the middle of the night, I, I'm standing watch first and I am, I am freezing. We, did we have gloves? No. Did we have, we had a field jacket, like a Vietnam era field jacket on nice no liner because we thought it was going to be warm i i to say that we 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 could have come close to dying of exposure is no understatement it was so cold so these guys are sleeping with their bags and i'm like okay it's my time to sleep and 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 i i woke the dude up uh, names aside i said hey man time for watch i i need your sleeping bag I'm freezing he's like screw you man it's freezing I was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. What, what? Uh, my buddy, you know, uh, this is the deal. And he's like, it's too cold, man. I don't want to get out of this thing. And I, 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 you know, so we went around like several guys were like, man, screw that. I'm keeping my sleeping bag. I humped it. And me and a, a, the point man, we just huddled up like, 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 you know, a three dog night, man. I mean, we were so cold. We just bundled up together. Like, but I'm just thinking, <clears throat> going back to this, <clears throat> Rangers had all their rucks organized. Everything's in its place. You would never leave any piece. Of, you'd probably get pounded if you were missing a piece of gear. Um, but I always kind of, <clears throat> and when I saw the Rangers at, at Sniper School and the, and the Special Forces guys, they were always much more squared away when it came to everything in its place. And you didn't just wing it. Uh, and, and I always felt like we were kind of winging it. Although, you know, I'm not... <clears throat> So Patrick, so, so reflect on that, man, and get back to. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, this is a good deep dive into the subcultures uh, with something like packing lists. Um, the first thing I'll say is um, I think in the army in general, but definitely in the Rangers, there are no higher sins than being a chow thief someone who steals food or um, rifles through MREs to pick out what they like. Uh, and then folks who fall asleep, folks who fall asleep when it's their turn to be on watch, you know, the, the Rangers, and if for some reason there were less sleeping bags, the Rangers answer is, is not screw you go away. It's like, get in here, dude. Yeah. Let's, let's double up. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've done that. I've, I've, I've cuddled with other men on a free at coal range and pre ranger when I would have to go back later before ranger school, we were, we were all a big pile of dudes cuddling with each other in the middle of this yeah. field. So 
So there's definitely a cultural, there's definitely a one culture thing. That's just unacceptable. No, screw you. You're not, I'm, I'm going to keep my bag. I can, I can understand it, but that's just, that's not allowed. You can't do that. Right. So in terms of like packing lists and those type of things. Yeah. I think again, my experience at my time and, and to some extent, I hope it remains true to this day is on some level is the Rangers are always over prepared always because when we're not it it never works out for us it, it's part of our history you know if you think back to to black hawk down you know uh, we don't need back plates you know we don't we don't need this we don't need our nods uh, mm-hmm. we do truly learn those lessons and, and it gets passed down you know you're going on a daytime rate doesn't matter carry take your nods with you you know yeah you're 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 climbing at altitude you know, you're doing a mission at altitude up in those mountains, you know, trying to decide, do we really drop our plates? Do we really do this? Does the speed offer, off, offer that trade-off? So those are hard decisions to make. You know, rangers in general, we probably carry more than we need to, always. Um, we have backups, we have, and we have backups for things. So, yeah, in my – and it goes back to – it goes back to – the general culture around standardization and, and, and standards and everyone being the same and everyone having the same things, you know, a team leader is going to check his foe. He, he, a team leader will never take the word of a per, uh, uh, of one of their subordinates that they have their stuff. We do layouts before you right. go out on, on a mission or, or, or an op or whatever. I, as a team leader, I'm going to go, I'm going to put my hands, you know, on the stuff you're supposed to carry. Do you have your SSC bag? Do you have your, your bump cards? Do you have your this? Do you have your that? You're going to actually look at it, even right. if they're a tab. Um, right. There's a sort of bifurcation in the, in the Ranger units between those who have gone to Ranger school. Again, how I'm, how I'm saying that, that you've fully completed that selection process to an extent versus the privates. And a private is anyone who hasn't, gone, who hasn't come back from Ranger school yet. So even a tab, though, you know, if you're, you're still going to go and you're going to check them out, um, you're going to put your hand yeah. on that stuff and check. So, so culturally, it is definitely about um, making sure you have everything. And um, weight ha- in the Ranger Regiment, weight has never been an excuse or a reason for not carrying something. There could be other valid reasons, but just because your bag gets heavy, and that's an Army thing, and, and I can tell. I, you look at the other units, nobody, no, maybe the Marines do. I think maybe, yeah. although I haven't spent that much time with them, but in the army for sure, like it, it unless you're, unless, unless your, your ruck is literally ripping from, from right. the weight or things are spilling out, like weight is not an excuse not to carry. Right. Right. And, and there are plenty of times where I'm like, this is ridiculous. Right. It is absolutely ridiculous that we're carrying all this, <laughs> but it goes back to that mindset where in our history, we've been burned because we didn't. Yeah. We didn't have enough sleeping bags. We didn't have enough ammo or we didn't have enough water or this or that. And then, and then, and then, you know, it goes on and, and you carry a bunch of stuff with you. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely, that would definitely be a difference in how we approach things. Yeah. Um, you know, so tell me something as you, as you get into, for those listening who may not know this, I, there, there are two tabs that a ranger might you might see on a ranger's uniform and i i actually this is why i'm asking because i don't know the i mean i know kind of the difference one is a simple tab 
with yellow ranger and it's it's an arc that just says ranger it, it's it's it goes like this like and then there's a bigger tab that says it's like subdued it's like green and black and it says something like ranger regimen blah 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 blah, blah. i don't know i what what are the two differences of those tabs yeah i'm i was i'm looking for something that has it on there I'm, <laughs> and i have something but it's this massive plaque so yeah but um but it's what you're describing is 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 the ranger tab as you well, like you it, said it, it's it, it, yeah, it, it looks kind of like that. <laughs> exactly it looks like that it's uh see you, you see like when 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 someone is infatuated with someone else to like write their name with hearts on it so seals will often draw ranger tabs because <laughs> they because because they they wish they think about what could have been um so yes, that's ex that's exactly right. That's the Ranger tab. You get that for graduating from Ranger School. School Ranger right. School being, you know, again not administratively affiliated with the seventy fifth Ranger Regiment, um, right. which which is which you'll which is the scroll. That's what we call it. You were talking okay. about. Okay. And yeah. Ranger School is open to anyone from the Army. It, it is primarily a leadership school. Um, okay. A leadership school that um, that has a gotcha. ranger name. The scroll is our unit patch, essentially. <clears throat> right. and it's it's black and it's red, and it'll have um, and it's a, it's a scroll, and it'll in the colored ver in the uh, full color version. Yeah. Um, and it'll say like what battalion you're from, so first, second, third, or RSTB. Nowadays, there's uh, an intelligence battalion that was added, so uh, it'll say MIB. So like gotcha. in black, I guess, but, uh, and then it'll say, it says Ranger on there. So a, a fully qualified Ranger leader would have the Ranger tab. So the, so the gold right. tab, and then underneath it have the scroll, the black and, uh, right. and, um, and yeah, and it's unique in that it is the only unit patch that looks like that. So, right. um, you know, everything else is like triangles and squares and circles. It's very unique. And, and the, and it's also unique in that because the Ranger Regiment um, has a selection process that even the support personnel have to go through um, in the army, or at least um, you, you pretty much have to be, you pretty much have to be, um, you know, in the unit to receive that. So if you ever look at army folks, if you look at their two sleeves, they may have something called a combat patch, which mm -hmm. they wear on their right shoulder. Uh, it's, they call it a combat patch. It's called the, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. You don't necessarily have to be in ground combat to receive it. You have to be in like a hostile area. So you could have to be deployed in a, in a zone where combat, I guess, is possible or something like that um, to be able to receive it. Well, the rules are very loose around what, what it takes to, to receive yeah. that patch. So, um, so, you know, if you're from a different unit attached to the 1st Infantry Division, for instance, like the, your unit patch could be something different, but because you spent a few weeks hanging out with the first infantry division, you get to wear the first infantry division patch on your arm. Right. Um, in that case, you probably earned two patches. So you'd have your unit patch and then you could wear that. But the Ranger regiment doesn't have that many uh, non-organic support enabler folks. Mm -hmm. So there's only one group I can think of, which are from the civil affairs. There is a civil affairs unit. I think that is primarily tasked with at my time again, tasked with working with rangers so those are folks who wouldn't be rangers who would have a combat scroll mm -hmm. um but otherwise like like if you see a scroll 
they, they most certainly uh, have been assigned to the unit past rip rasp and have been assigned to the unit and deployed. So, um, cool. but yeah, but that's the difference. So that's, that's sort of like the thing that distinguishes us. The Rangers don't have a cool badge, a cool little badge that, that's, that's right. specific to us um, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Uh, the Green Berets, the Special Forces, they have a Special yeah. Forces tab. Um, yeah, it's a little lightning bolts in the blue. Mm -hmm. Like looks like a tomahawk. Kind exactly. Of, that would that would be the group. Yep, that would be the group patch. That tab that they have would be uh, is specific to them as an individual. So it's right. not affiliated with the unit. So yeah. if they and it happens sometimes if you're a sergeant major in the Special Forces and and you're you decide that you're going to make the Army career. Well, now you got to go be a sergeant major at a division. Well, if you're at the first infantry division, you would still wear your special forces uh, qualification mm -hmm. tab and people would know that you were a Green Beret, right? You're yeah. a Green Beret operator, just like, just like for you, Steve, Steve was a SEAL. Then later on, Steve, Steve went on to, to work uh, as a chaplain. He continued yeah. to have that the, yeah. the SEAL badge that identified that he had, that he had gone through that and qualified in terms you of know, like... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this is interesting because there were chaplains that didn't want me to wear it. I think it was jealousy. Uh, and, and, and they said, you're, you're a non-combatant now. You're a chaplain. You shouldn't be wearing that. And I said, well, I, I, I threw it back to him. I'm like, okay, I'm open to that. So do I take, okay, I take it off my uniform. Do I take my jump wings off? And they're like, well, I guess, yeah. Because it's it's all it's your pedigree. It, it's just mm -hmm. like your it's just like wearing your curriculum vita on your uniform, right. and 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 then they they said, well, yeah, I guess so. And I said, do I take my combat action ribbon off? And they're like, well, do I take my Southwest Asia Service ribbon? And, you know, it's like where do I stop? I mean, right. you, do, you want me to just strip my uniform clean, or do you want me to erase my record? But it's just interesting how these <clears throat> these weird things in military culture can lead to. I don't know, just kind of crazy discussions, but yeah. It would, the, it would seem to me, and I think to most, I think the, the, the standard answer would be, if anything, it would make, it would make interactions with you. Um, people may be more interested in seeking you out, knowing that you had a different background. If they were, if it was just pure, it, even if it was just purely like, you know, they were just curious. Right, right. Let's deal with this chaplain. That's a yeah, yeah. What is what's going on? <laughs> Let me talk to this guy. And yeah. and let's be honest. You know, young kids who join the military, you know, they may not they may not sign up to do special operations work. They may do something else. But if you're in the military, at some level, that piques your interest, right? Yeah. Like you join the military. There's got to be a part. There's got to be a little warrior spirit in you somewhere. Yeah. And if you yeah. saw you know, a ranger chaplain who was a ranger, a seal chaplain who was a seal, you know, green red, whatever. I mean, that's got that you've got to be interested and you've got to be like, oh, cool. I'm going to talk to this guy. Yeah. yeah. Guy or gal. So what, what were you talking about? We were talking, we were talking about, okay, that, that oh, we're, oh, we're oh where I was going to get is like the range. So for the rangers yeah. now, now, um, the, yeah, the rangers don't, we don't have our own unique badge that says this person was 100% in right. the 75th Ranger Regiment. It, the tab means you have the tab. There are a lot of people who are in the conventional military, conventional army who never spent a day in the Rangerment. They have the Ranger tab. Um, mm -hmm. If you're at my time, everyone went to combat multiple times. So combat scroll would be one of the ways you could tell you were actually in the regiment. 
you know, on your dress uniform, you could wear the distinctive unit insignia signifying that you were part of the unit. We don't have a cool badge. Um, we do have, you know, the, the army loves its berets and it, we love all our merit badges. We love our badges, but we love our berets too, you know, French chic. So uh, the Rangers used to have a black beret, um, right. but, um, but at my time it already transferred to the tambourine, which I always thought was cool because the SAS wore tambourine. Yeah. All right, cool. Like commando color beret. Um, but again, if you go outside of the Ranger Regiment or outside of the Ranger unit, um, you got to go back to that other, the, the beret of the unit you're in. So, um, and same goes for Green Berets, even. So, you can have Special Forces folks who leave the Special Forces Command to go work at a conventional unit. They're not wearing, they're not wearing a Green Beret. I'm 99% sure of that. Right. Someone on the internet could be probably correct me yeah. and correcting me i'm 99 of that but um some 12 year old will correct you from older colorado <laughs> they will they will and that's okay that's what the internet yeah, yeah. so uh yeah so when we were talking about it, about rip going back to rip i wrote yeah. down some just random things that stuck out in my in my mind about that time again for me it was four weeks you know it is not it is not the transformative experience that, that I think buds is to seals or that SFAS even might be to, although I think SFAS might be more along the same lines. It's something that, you know, was tough, but it isn't, it isn't like a big, it isn't like a huge life accomplishment because it's, it's short, it's relatively yeah. short. And then it's very quickly overshadowed by other things you got to do. I think for green berets, probably the Q course is probably that big thing for, for Rangers um, surviving your year as a private and then go and graduating from ranger school. I think that's like the bigger moment. For mm -hmm. example, you know, a buds class you're in, unless yeah. I broke out my certificate, I have no clue what the, what my class number was for rip. Right. You know, it just, just, it just didn't have that significance for me, but I can tell you, you know, what my ranger school class was. So, um, Oh six, Oh seven. So like that's, so that trying to like help understand, compare, the two experiences yeah. but here's just some things that you mentioned in buds that i thought that i saw uh, in my experience um and this is at rip but i also this is kind of at other places as well so first you had swim buddies we had ranger buddy so you don't go anywhere alone um we also there was also a no walking rule you can't walk anywhere if you're going yeah. somewhere you're running now for us what that looked like was um more like a, a, a fast walk, like a trot. So you're just kind of like, you know, shuffling, kind of like airborne Air, shuffle. Airborne shuffle, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> they used to kill us at airborne school because we're like, we can't run this slow. How's it's this possible? It's hurting our knees. Yeah, it it's was. actually worse. Yeah, the airborne shuffle is actually worse than if you actually just stretched right. your legs out more and ran. It's actually more painful, 100%. Yeah, it was killing us. Anyway, sorry. Um, in terms of like how, you know, you're looking. So at our time they call, we were in rip. So they were, we were called rippies like, uh -huh. um, and, and I would end up getting stationed there at third ranger battalion there at Fort Benning. So like, you'd see the, you'd see the guys come through, um, and you could, the way you would tell that they're rippies was a, just the looks on their faces, um, the general misery, <laughs> but also, um, they'd have clean uniforms and then they would have a two court. They'd have like the old school two court with like the strap going yeah. off to one side. And then they would have something we called a yoke, a yoke, which was this, which was the strand of rope. And you'd have to have it cross yeah. the other side. I remember seeing this at Benning. Yeah. So, so that's how you could tell a rippy 
Now, I don't remember if we actually had a not tying requirement in RIP. I just don't remember. It doesn't stick out to me. Um, but traditionally, knots like rope knots, knot skill, rope skills mm. has been a huge thing with rangers, right? They climb the they climb the cliffs of Point mm. Hawk. Like it's like a big thing for rangers. Yeah, mountain big thing for shields too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so so there's there's another thing in common. So but it was part of the uniform, and so you'd always have like this piece of rope with you. Yeah. Um, that 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 showed who you were. Um, Could you also make a Swiss seat out of it if you had to, like a hasty Swiss seat? We made. I made a Swiss seat in in basic training. You did it when yeah. you did rappelling. We did no rappelling in rip. Um, uh, in ranger school, you do a lot of knots. Knots yeah. are huge in ranger school. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, I I dug. No, I'm you. just doing random things. So we're we're kind of at a random phase here. No, this is this. These are good questions. Um, I have a note here, spear tackling. So, so I knew, so this is how I knew, you know, there, I, there was a moment where I knew that I had left TRADOC, which is how someone from the army would, would explain the training environment, right? The, the training infrastructure set up by the big conventional army to churn out basically trained infantrymen, military intelligence folks, what have you, you know, which is very structured. It's, it's following a curriculum. I knew that I was in a different world, the special operations world. One of the things that stick out in my mind was just when you were getting hammered, when you were getting smoked, like it, it very much felt like to me that it was like no hole, no holds bar. Like it was like, there were no rules. It felt like it. Um, I remember a specific moment where we're getting, we're getting smoked. We're, we're getting someone like the cadre is asking questions. And we're in this little area. You would call it like a grinder. I don't even remember what we called it. Um, but like we just had this small area, this courtyard, this, and there were there were these high fences around it. And and there were it was a chain link fence. Man, it was it was over six foot tall, so you couldn't see what was going on inside and, and because they had like the covers covering the chain link fence. So you just hear right. punishment going. But I, I just remember there's this one instructor spear tackled some guy into the fence into the fence so it got it got a little physical and yeah. it was a little bit physical at times um uh i won't say everything that i saw but i, I saw it get a little physical um mm -hmm. nothing that i would say i would say that it definitely wouldn't fly in a, in a training like a, a conventional training uh trade-off environment but some some and nothing that i that looking back i think was too bad but it definitely stuff that wouldn't fly in those type of environments and that was one instance where where i was like okay this place is different <laughs> yep and also don't do what that guy did yeah don't do what that <laughs> right. guy did. if you could figure out what he did in fact <laughs> like yeah i was too busy like yeah sweat pouring into my eyes like in a push-up position Maybe that was his first problem. Maybe it was the fact that we're supposed to be doing push-ups and he was standing up for some reason. Um, right. You know, I'll just say about the, the cadre in general, this was 2005. The, you know, uh, Rangers jumped into Afghanistan in October, I think, of 2001. So, you know, the Rangers had a presence in the war right from the get-go. And by the way, would continue to have a presence even till I think, today. They still maintain the streak the way the range regiment deployed, there have been rangers deployed 
into combat areas nonstop, not a single day off for the Ranger Regiment since October of 2001. Right. Uh, rotating in and out. So uh, no big deal. But um, but those got those those instructors were, you know, things at the beginning of the Afghan after the, uh, of the of the war in Afghanistan, it was hit or miss what mm-hmm. the, the combat was like. Um, but in 2003, I think it was April or March of 2003, when we invaded Iraq, it got real. It got yeah. very real. And, and, my, and my instructors at the time in 2005 would have had one or two deployments under their belts. And, and what we were going to go into was very real also. And I think that their mentality and, and, and you know, getting back to, to sort of the purpose of this, these discussions we're having, I think that in some ways they were dealing with a lot of stuff. And, and when you take oh, yeah. those type of folks dealing with what they're dealing with and putting them in a training environment, you know, oh, they, yeah. they're dealing with things and they know what the stakes are. And, and you know, uh, they're, cool. in a, they're in an environment where they're, they're tr- attempting to express the, the, the consequence of, of what, we were, what we were signing up for. Yeah, and another thing, just getting getting to the the overall where we're we're going with with an eye toward toward mental health and 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 emotional intelligence and and how to process all this physical stuff aside. You know, I, I've always thought when, when I was I was twenty one, I was twenty one years old. I was signing off. I mean, I, I was building what was called a rubber duck a double duck, a two Zodiac rating crafts with about 5,000 pounds of gear with these massive G12 cargo chutes. And I built this thing by myself. I'd get guys to help me with tying stuff. I had to build this thing. And it, it was fantastically complicated. Moreover, we're going to put this on a C-130 and it's going to roll out the back and we're going to jump out after it. I mean, I look back on that, that could, that could, that could drop an entire aircraft. If, if it's not rigged, it, like it doesn't go flawlessly. You, you got major problems. And, you know, I'd have a platoon commander come up to me and goes, is it good to go Watkins? I'm like, who yeah, it's ready. And I'm my, my frontal lobe, as I understand from neuroscientists that tell me my frontal lobe was not even fully developed at that stage. And I'm doing this stuff and we're all doing this stuff. Rangers, we're going in, you know, guys, I, I say we collectively, like the military, Fallujah, Ramadi, these hornet's nests. And it's like so far above our maturity level, some of the stuff we're asked to do. So like, like, yeah, you, you know, you've got these guys coming home and but but they're not, they're probably if, if, if I'm guessing right, some of these guys who are your instructors who, who's, who've been in Fallujah and Ramadi are probably 24, 20, yeah. 25. Mm-hmm. um that's 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 pretty darn young still um to be dealing with the level of of incredibly complicated and stressful stuff but anyway and, and you know the, it's it's, a, it's remarkable to me that we do as well as we do i mean our military the, the the american military machine is uh par excellence there's nothing there's nothing in the world that can even compare i mean, I mean it's it's I so agree. ridiculous yeah but obviously i am biased <clears throat> but i i I think it's something in, in the American spirit, the culture. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I, I think there's something in the water. It's, yeah. It's something. Uh, hopefully we can maintain that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully Absolutely. We can Ho- hopefully we can uh, not fight. Well, I don't, don't want to say this in any way that comes off as like 
hopefully we can, if we have to fight, it, it's a smart war and we have to find objectives and we don't get bogged down destroying our own people, you know, for generations um, that are they're, they're the best people in the world. As there's this line from Platoon, I, I'll, I'll say this it, it, as we, as we wrap up that I'll never forget it. It's, it's a Charlie Sheen and he's, 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 he's writing to his grandmother and, and he's, he's, he's telling her about the experience. And he said, he said, they come from all over the place. They're just from podunk places and they're the best I've ever seen grandma. Like they're really good at what they do. And I, I mean, it still gives me goosebumps that. Yeah. And, and all, all of our military men from, you know, conventional units to special special ops guys um these guys guys and gals are just amazing but i i agree i think that's a good way to uh to wrap this up i I would say we're at about the end of rip looking through my notes here i have a couple other things but um you know one thing i did want to want to mention um was you know some of the testing so there there are physical events obviously there are ranger standards you have to meet we could talk about that later because it comes up in 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 when you're at when you when you get assigned to your company and pre-ranger and ranger school and all that um but specifically at rip you know what i thought was interesting was um some of the some of the written testing um that happened to include a history test (laughs) um so you know for the rangers our history is very important and I think this is this is some an area where um, I don't know. Did at any time were you ever tested on the history of the seals or the or UDT? I don't think so. No. Not that I remember. So yeah, it, for us it was a pass fail event. I I never had any issues with it. It I always loved history and yeah. and I and I did pretty well in school. <clears throat> but there's some folks there's some folks that had trouble. And, and, and folks have, and I know some folks, and I know of some folks who, you know, that wasn't really, you know, you know, that wasn't really their thing and they struggled with it. Um, and people get recycled, recycled through, through rip, through training because of a history test. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, and that can be tough, can be tough if you pass all the physical stuff, but you, you can't remember, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, um, and then graduation, you know, wrapping up, Wrapping up the rip part, you know, um, well, there was a last week of marksmanship. Not too much to say there the last week. I, I did sense a difference when we got into the into week four, um, the marksmanship phase, which is right before you graduate. Different different instructors trying to accomplish something different, um, you know, taking us out to the range, going through, through rifle uh, basics. And, um, again, the tone was, hey, we're just trying to get you guys ready because – some of you, depending on which unit you're, which, which battalion you're going to, you may go overseas halfway through the rotation. Um, and again, that's that's what would, that's what would end up happening to me. I would graduate from RIP. You know, great day, sunny day. Throw your tambray on, boom, you're a ranger. But again, like you said, like some some of the some of the the glory is taken out of it because you know there's this next thing you got to go do. Right? You're proud. You're happy, but it's slight, it's a little empty because you know you're not done yet. You're you're not finished. You haven't yeah. really accomplished. You've accomplished just a piece of of, of the process, and uh, and then I'd go. I'd have to go to uh, to where I went. And I'll tell that when we when we talk about this next, I'll tell the story about how I ended up at third third battalion <laughs> versus the other two. But um, that would be a significant difference, by the way, between seals and rangers because 
until we were fully qualified, we were not going to fire a weapon in combat. I mean, you had to go through, you had A to Z had to be completed. And, and then you went to a platoon and became a new guy. And then, then you would deploy, but they would never take a guy at some pre stage, you know, through the about a year, about two year pipeline total for SEALs um, and then send them there. And then they'd go back and yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think we should pick up. I think that's where we should start next yeah. because I yeah. think, I, I think that is a huge difference. And that's what I was kind of speaking to about like, you know, the pipeline for a ranger on paper after on paper, after I graduated from rip, technically I was a fully qualified ranger. Right. And, and I was done, but in reality, and, and a lot of people know this, you're not done. Um, yeah. the, 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 the expectation is you get to your unit, you have to perform well, the rangers will kick you out for anything. Yeah. Any, and we need to talk about that too. Cause I think that's unique in the special operations community. You're never a made you're never a made man, so to speak. You're never, right. you're never, you've right. never passed and you get to stick around regardless of what you do. They will kick you out for anything and you got to earn it every day. So I think wow. that, that'd be another great place mm -hmm. to pick up and we'll pick up with that in the sure. next one. So um, again, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Appreciate it.